Welcome back, everyone, to the 46th episode of the Professor Penn Podcast. David Penn here. Glad you're back. Wishing you well-being. Uh, young Tanner's ill today, so he's working at half-mass. We're not going to ask him to talk too much, but he was valiant. He came in, and that's what well-being is all about. Well-being is being able to function and be able to respond. It's about responsibility, respondability. Tanner's in today, sick, sick as a dog, but he couldn't miss the opportunity to record this content, so we want to thank him as a community for taking his time to come in. I want to thank Free People Radio so learning experience being on Free People Radio. We got great management here, and uh, we really have a, a good thing going on. So thank you for supporting this channel. And I want to thank Free People Radio for the opportunity to get the word out on this platform. It's a great opportunity. It's a great blessing for me and for all the on-air talent that's functioning here at Free People Radio. We are the truth media. I say this every time because I want to highlight it. For those of the people that are out there that want to think that we're tripping, I'm not saying we know the truth. I say this every time. It's kind of a disclaimer in a way. I'm not saying I know the truth. I say I'm searching for the truth, trying to get to a more closer version of reality than I'm able to get from the legacy media, which in my opinion is providing a narrative. You know, I was watching television over the weekend, which I do not do. I was watching the big three, and I decided to stay on CBS, and I watched for a couple hours. And I was amazed. Nothing had changed. It was like CBS when I was watching it 20 years ago. If that was the only media I watched, I would think the world's in tip-top shape. That's why I say it's a narrative. The Patriot Economy, our first sponsor, TireGet.com. TireGet, T-I-R-E-G-E-T.com. Everything you need for tires, you have to buy tires. And when you buy them from TireGet, you're funding this station. You're funding the movement. It's a win-win. You get what you need. We get your funding. The advertiser is able to support the media. It's the Patriot Economy. Wherever you get the chance, support small business, support the independents, support the people that are, that are the backbone of the movement, carry cash, cut up your credit cards, stop pointing and clicking to make automatic payments, gum up their system unless you want to live in a digital prison. I like the cash in my pocket, and I hope you do too. Let's preserve it. Let's preserve that cash because that represents the full faith and credit of the American people. Let it not be transferred or taken away from us. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about who's going to take that money, who's going to fill in that hole. Is it going to be the people that stole the money or are we the people getting clipped out of everything we've ever had and everything we ever will be? We're fighting about this. That's what the fight's about. Precinctstrategy.com. If the fight's about, let's say you don't believe in God. Let's forget God and country. Let's just say you're a materialist and you got money in the bank or you want to have money in the bank. Is that a good enough reason to fight that they're going to take everything away from us if we let them? That's what inflation is after all. If you want to fight to keep what you have at a material level, before we even get to the more spiritual you know, issues of God and country, precinctstrategy.com. For everything you know, need to know about getting in the game of politics, get off the bench, get in the game. And as we've talked about, there's a strategy, there's a lot of ways to make your contribution at this very impactful moment in human history. I'm going to start out today with a uh, movie clip from a great movie that I love called The Grandmaster. 
I urge you all to go look at it. It's a movie in Chinese about Chinese culture. It's beautifully filmed. It's beautifully written. It's beautifully acted. It's very exciting. I've watched it numerous occasions, and I want to share one scene with you about the daughter of the Grand Master. And at this time in human history, by virtue of the fact that she's a girl and a woman, she cannot inherit the family line of mastery. And she's coming to grips with that. And it it shows uh, her relationship with her father and what he was trying to teach her. I think it's very important at this time in American history that we start to look at these kind of issues. Tanner, can you cue that up and play it for me? Thank you, Tanner. I didn't speak over that, so for my audio-only listeners, I apologize. 
it's such a beautiful scene to speak over it would have done it an injustice it was really a a quite eloquent and beautiful um storyboard of how the martial skill was transmitted from parent to child and in this case from a father to a daughter which was very unusual for this period of time and let us remember at this time this was not a martial art this was pure martial an element of survival these people lived without medical care they lived in the natural way you know in the forest so to speak they had to grow their own food harvest their own meat china was at war for hundreds of years and i mean really at war and the martial art or the martial was the way of life this man was a warrior and he was transmitting that knowledge of both how to live and how to kill to his daughter and at the end she said something which is really why i played this in addition to the fact that it showed her practicing from a child to an adult this is the thing of a secret society it's teaching us what we have to do every day ritually to build up a skill which really becomes superhuman not because it's superhuman but because most humans don't develop the skill every human being has this ability within them every human being can develop it and the purpose and the mode of uh, teaching in our public schools and in our post-secondary educational institutions is to be sure that no one learns this. This is what they want to keep from you, the American citizen, or the Chinese citizen, or the European citizen, whoever. They don't want human beings to develop this skill. They want to hold on to this skill specifically and only for themselves such that they are able to rule over us. But if each one of us developed this innate human ability to heal and to kill, we're self-governing. This is the transmission of self-governance from parent to child. And what, she, what, the, what the martial artist, what, what, the, what the daughter says at the end is really what I'm wanting to transmit to you. What she learned from her father was, so, was not so much a skill. She says this. It was not so much a skill but as a code of honor, a code of honor. And, you know, this code of honor, this code of honor is the power. The skill is not the power. The skill is a technique. The code of honor opens us to an infinite reservoir of energy that can flow through us if we've created the right structures in our lives. Again, this is what our elites want to make sure we never discover that we can align ourselves with the supernatural and with the natural such that we can self-govern. That is the code of honor. And what's really uh, on my heart today is, you know, there's this thing called Black Belt. You know, Mr. Miyagi, 995 J.C. Penny. if you remember that uh, line from The Karate Kid. It doesn't mean anything, a black belt. What matters something is the progressive uh, increase in in knowledge and in harmony and always striving to get better and always striving to improve and always striving to understand more about the code. If someone thinks that they know the code, that they've got it figured out, they're what's called arrogant. 
So arrogance hides in me, it hides in you, it hides in everybody, it hides in all kinds of strange ways. Rooting out that arrogance requires honesty. That's why we're truth media. Honesty is the, the balm that heals the wound of arrogance. Honesty, self-reflection. That's what this movie's about. I urge you to watch it. Self-reflection is really a critical part of the entire movie. The, the master is aging. The master is retiring. He's passing on the mantle of his uh, uh, skill and his wisdom to his disciple. And he talks about looking back and reviewing life. And really, that's why I ask everyone to get into the movement, because my experience has been the movement, giving myself over to altruism, has freed me from the narcissism, which makes me a finite person. I've become an altruistic, infinite person, and that washes away my sins. It gives me a great sense of peace. It gives me a mission in my life. It insulates me from disease to some extent. Not totally. I'm not saying it makes you a superman. I'm saying purpose is its own healing path. And this is the path that this young daughter took from her father. She sought it out. He couldn't help but teach her. He was a pain. He didn't want to teach her because in, in that culture, that martial art was not transmitted from a father to a daughter. But he broke the rules and taught it to her. And that's the whole impetus. That's the whole theme of the movie, how that plays out. It's a beautiful movie. Please watch it. I've gotten so much out of it, and I hope you do too. But it's about that code. That's what's missing in our culture. Our code of honor, our sacred honor, has been ripped away from us systematically by elites that took it away specifically and only to ensure that we became non-effective as human beings. They want to rule over us. You can't rule over a self-governing person. You can kill them, but you can't rule them. What they fear most is that code of honor. Now, in our country, it expresses as they're afraid of Christianity or Judeo-Christianity. They're afraid of faith in God because it contains a code which builds the character of the people that give over to it. They don't want that. We want that in the movement. We want every American citizen to independently discover a code of conduct, a code of honor that they can ensue through any religious tradition, because they're all different spokes on the same wheel. It all ends up at the same hub, which is sacred honor. When you find that spoke and work your way down through daily ritual, where your daily ritual becomes your character and your character becomes your destiny, when you practice every day, every, no, it doesn't have to be every single day, but you know what I'm saying, regularly, daily ritual, daily prayer, when you do it every day, it changes you, it evolves you, and it gives you access to a world that is your birthright as a human being. Therefore, I say unto you, blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating the light and the dark. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating me in your image. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for making me an American. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for making me free. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for healing the blind. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for feeding the people. 
Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for releasing the bound. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for raising up the downtrodden. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating the heavens and earth. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for providing for all my needs. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for directing my path. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for our American courage. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for crowning America with glory. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for restoring strength to the weary. Daily ritual. Daily ritual. Pray, train, study, develop ourselves, throw off the yoke of darkness and underdevelopment that our elites have for us. You know, I played uh, in one of the last podcasts a beautiful trumpet ensemble. I got such great feedback about that. Those 20-year-old kids were so developed artistically, and there are other 20-year-olds that are not developed. Why is that? And I'm going to tell you why it is. It's on purpose. It's on purpose. Every child Every young adult, every adult, every aging adult can get on that spoke and start working their way to the hub wherever you are in your life. Wherever you are in your life, you can make a decision to start to find truth. And that, that brings up something that I, I think since I've been doing this, this is the best thing that's happened that I've seen of all the political things that I've been involved with, and there's been many miracles and many great things have happened. But we had a um, event that happened on, please call me crazy last week, last Friday night. I was filling in for Royce, he was traveling, and uh, about 20 or 30 minutes into the podcast, in the live chat, a person showed up, and they really let loose a torrent of anti-Semitic uh, words into the live chat that was directed really at me. And um, I didn't respond at first because I thought they were going to go away because they said they were out. And then they didn't go away. They continued to post up in the live chat, you know, anti-Semitic comments. And uh, people in that community who who are in the community that are on the podcast and who I text with and talk with, went to protect me, which I appreciated because we need to protect one another. But I said, wait, wait, let's talk to this person. Let us not be afraid of words. Anti-Semitism is a, is a two-by-four hitting you in the head. Words are an opportunity to talk, to have dialogue. And we had a wonderful dialogue. And, I, you know, I know there's anti-Semites that are listening to this right now. And, you know, you've heard me say, if you're an anti-Semite or a racist or a homophobe or a xenophobe, get out of the Republican Party. Go join the American Nazi Party. Well, you'll be embraced. We're the new party. We're about American citizens. We're about American citizens devoting themselves to a set of ideas, not to ethnicity or to religion. We're about, we're about what the thing is really all about which is we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That's what binds us together. 
not color, not race, not creed, but our Constitution, the, the soaring words of our Constitution. That's what I'm working for. And I tried to find community with this person. And he, you know, he asked me very intense questions, really intense questions. And he mentioned things like, you know, <clears throat> Jewish people are in the synagogue of Satan. And I said, well, not Jewish people, anti-Jews, right? That made him stop for a second, talking about anti-Jews. That's strange coming out of the mouth of a Jew. And I, you know, I, I went with him, and we kept bantering back and forth. And then the community saw me talking to him, and they started to talk to him. And he realized he was in a place not of hatred, but of love. Not of a place that was going to reject him for what he thought, but was going to embrace him and try to learn from him. And I want to make this very clear. <clears throat> I want to make this crystal clear. I was born a Jew. I was baptized in 1989. I speak Hebrew, and I want to remind everyone, Jesus Christ was Jewish, and his ministry was for Jewish people. He lived in Israel. He was speaking to the Jewish community. So for me as a, as a, as a Jew who knows Jesus Christ, who, who sees the gospel of Christ, I know he's speaking to the Jewish people. And when I said that in the, in the um, live chat, this person, whose name I'm not going to mention out of respect, he started to think and to change right in front of everybody. And he actually, if I remember correctly, and of course he might jump in this live chat right now and say I was wrong, but I thought he was asking us to be together as a, as a prayerful community, that he saw that we're not excluding the idea that there are people in every group, black, Jewish, Catholic, whatever the group is, that have given up their faith in God, that they've given over to empire, that they've given over to being on the payroll of evil, and they have uh, renounced the faith. They've renounced the faith. Well, if they've renounced the faith, why do they call themselves Catholics? I mean, if you're not a Catholic, if there's nothing you believe that's Catholic, why are you pulling out the Catholic card? Or if you're black, and you've renounced everything there is to be part of the black community, and then you're going to pull out the black card. Or if you're Jewish, which I can really talk about, because I am Jewish, and you don't believe in God, and you don't go to synagogue, and you don't read the Torah, and you don't try to follow the golden rule, and you believe in science, and you don't, you don't think there's anything to this Sinai Torah <laughs> beep. Thank you. If you don't think there's anything to it, if that's how you think about it, then why do you pull out the Jewish card? What do you got to do with being Jewish? Being Jewish is about having faith in the one true God. That's all it is. Now, in that community, we're all at different places. I just today, God stood up about an error that I made, an error of convenience, of narcissism. And I said, whoa, I made a mistake. See, Part of being faithful is looking in the mirror. Like that movie, The Grandmaster, that whole movie's about self-reflection. Looking over your shoulder and saying, what did I do? And then when we're in a community of believers, we're not living under eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. We're living under, we forgive one another that we, that we may be forgiven. We can forgive ourselves for our mistakes, except for two sins, blaspheming against God and taking the faith of a child. 
Those two sins are a problem. And I'm not saying that God couldn't intervene on those sins because God is God. God is all-powerful. So whatever it is that we've done in our lives that we look back on when we look back over our shoulder and we say, whoa, what did I do? What have I done? You know, the first step is to understand for, in your own heart that you could have done something different and look at those options and learn so that the next time it comes up, and it will come up again, you'll make a better choice. God doesn't want us to be perfect. God wants us to be choosy. Now, there are Jewish people that say they're the chosen people. And it does say it, you know, that God chose the, Jew, the Jewish people for his people. But there's a contract. The contract is the Jewish people or the people of faith, be they Catholics or Protestants or whatever their sect, wherever, whatever spoke they're working their way to the hub, to the hub on, they have to choose God. So all these people say, oh, I can't find God. It's all a scam. Hey, did you ever really try to figure out? Did you ever give yourself over to letting God into your life? Because if you don't make that step, nothing's going to happen. And you know why people don't do it? They're afraid God's not going to come for them. So they never take the step of depending on God. Isn't that convenient? Boy, I don't love myself. Therefore, God doesn't love me. Therefore, I'm not going to trust God to come help me because he might not come for me. It's kind of a self-reinforcing negative feedback loop. Instead of just saying, help me, help me, please. And that's what happened in our live chat. We went from anti-Semitism to community. So I'm not mentioning this man's name, but I welcome him back. I welcome him to have dialogue. I welcome my group to understand that there are people in our American society that have all kinds of beliefs that are not about an American community, and well, they should. They've been discriminated against. They've been physically assaulted. They've been killed. They've been enslaved. And that's not just the black community. That's many different communities. The Chinese community. Look at the history of the Chinese people in the United States. Look at the history of Chinese immigration. Look at how our government, that would be us, we the people, have spoken about and legislated about Chinese immigration. I mean, we have so many subgroups that have legitimate beefs with America. And all they need America to do is say, whoa, I can't believe we did that. That doesn't mean we become communists or give up our American freedom, or undermine our Constitution because human beings made errors. It means we strive for that more perfect union together. We listen to each other. We try to let our fellow citizens know we love them. We don't judge against them unless they are unwilling to accept America as a community. And we need America to be a community because our elites are doing everything they can to break us into warring tribes such that we cannot self-govern, that we have so much violence and so much division, we beg the government to protect us. That's what they're doing to us. It's being done to us. So I say to the people that are following in this movement that are together, we're, you know, we, we're all leading, okay? Forget the following thing, because we all got people we're influencing. Let us learn to talk to everyone and try to create an American community, 
an American community that overthrows the British business model of slavery, drugs, and piracy. It's a very ambitious goal. My goal is very ambitious. In fact, Royce said to me this morning that my stuff is quite inflammatory because I'm going for the whole shamoli. I want the whole thing overthrown. I want to rebuild it from the core out. I don't want to run an empire. I don't want to have a military system that has 350 golf courses around the world that we're in continuous war, that our economy is backboned by killing people. I don't want that for my country. I don't want a medical business that thrives on people having chronic disease. I want people to be healed. I want people never to have to be healed. I want my educational system to teach people to be well. I want my environment to be well. I've been talking a lot about the environmental con. I'm not saying that there isn't an environmental problem. We do have an environmental problem. The con is the con man taking the problem and using it to create one world governance, one world currency and tyranny using our our fear against us. That's a con. After we get the con man out of the way, we still have to come together to create a natural world that's healthy and well for all the people, and quite frankly, for all the salamanders too. We want a well-being world, and we can do it. We've been taught a judgment that says we can't do it. It's a judgment. I released the judgment that we can't have a well-being world, and I also released the judgment that we're living in paradise. I open up my range of motion to let God give us the miracles we need to create a better world for all the people. That's what we're doing. Now, the question was asked, the question was asked in that live chat, who are the Jews? What are the Jews? And I'm going to say to you as a Jew, many Jews missed Jesus as the Christ. They missed it. God's patient with them. Could you please be? God still wants them to find truth. Have patience. That's Jews who believe in the one true God and maybe missed part of the story. They missed it. Well, guess what? They're going to get it. You know who the ones that aren't going to get it? The anti-Jews who have renounced faith in God. They're no longer Jewish. So the Jews that still pray and still strive and still do that daily ritual trying to improve Let's have faith and patience with them and have faith in God to work with them because they have an open channel to the one true God. Let's have a little faith in the plan. If you think you know the plan, whoa, that's arrogant, right? I don't know what God's plans are. I'm just trying to take the next step that he lays out for me. And what he laid out for me today is to read this to you because Jesus read this to a crowd of Jewish people. And if you want to know what Judaism is and who the Jews are, it's right here. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger for and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was preaching this to Jews who lived in the countryside in a country that had been occupied by the Roman Empire. Most of the Jews in the power structure, in the Sanhedrin, in the ruling class, the elite class, just like in our country, the elites had sold out and gotten themselves on the payroll of the Roman Empire. They had sold out faith for materialism. Sound familiar? Just like what's going on in our world today. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets before you. That's what's going on. Look what's happening in our social media to people that stand up and try to find truth. They're canceled. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they set it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what it is to be a Jew. And Christ said, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. So we're all Jews, really, because this is a Jewish gospel given to Jewish people first and then to everyone else. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is the core of what it is to believe. Read it study it, make it part of your daily ritual. And when you do that, you're going to get what it is to be a faithful person. Then we don't have to talk about Jews and Christians and Muslims. That's like talking about Taekwondo, Tungsudo, Shotokan. These are just money-making schemes. Sorry, I know that's a little far for some people to go. But remember, whatever this organization is, money's flowing uphill. Actually, what Jesus did was he broke that and let everyone be able to form their own personal relationship with God. Before Jesus, people never thought about that. You have, and everybody that's Christian knows this, you have, you're working out your own salvation. You don't need 10 people to pray. It's not about the tribe. It's about you and your relationship with God. So you ensue this Sermon on the Mount. You become a light to the world. You become an example to other men and women. And when we all do that, and I mean all of us, we'll crowd out the darkness that has infiltrated our American country and our American family and has driven us into depravity. The fundamental, the most critical way to win this battle is inside myself. I got a long way to go. I am not trying to stand here and portray myself as having some kind of special skill or some kind of special becoming. I know people do that. That's not me. I'm an awful, horrible sinner on a daily basis. I'm doing the best I can. Please be patient with me. I make terrible errors, and all I, I mean, I've, at least I've reached the point where I can identify them. I identify them, and I try to look at them look at other choices I could make, and make a better choice when it comes up the next time. And if we all do that, evil's going to fall just like that, overnight. You know, we could win this battle with evil just by being good. 
And, and again, I'm not thumping the Bible. I'm not a Bible thumper. There's so much wisdom in this book, irrespective of people's religious or anti-religious beliefs. I mean, come on. Blessed are the peacemaker, for they will be called the sons of God. Who among us are peacemakers? Who among us are willing to reach out to those that hate us? It takes a lot of courage and centering to do that, to stay centered when people are attacking us. It's a big problem with our movement. We've got so much anger in our movement. We're so quick to get into the fight. This is not about fighting. This is about organize the, organizing the community. community. It's about organizing the community. Every community, every precinct, every neighborhood, every congressional district, it's not about fighting with these Pharisees and these hypocrites and these scribes. It's about getting rid of them by finding the good people in the community that want to go and become delegates and go to their conventions and vote the bums out. They're bums. They're just bums. How do I know they're bums? $33 trillion of debt, potential nuclear war in three theaters, 60% of my fellow citizens have chronic disease, even though we spend $1.5 trillion a year on health care, and 85% of the people are living paycheck to paycheck. I know they're bums. If they were really good people, it wouldn't be like this. The bums, the bums are on someone's payroll. There's a handful of people that are super wealthy people worth hundreds of billions of dollars apiece that buy both sides of the political party to get their policies through so that they are in control of the people. That's why we call it a uni party, because it doesn't matter if they're Democrats or Republicans. They're both sides on the payroll of the very wealthy donors. That's why I want to leave this whole conversation to the side about Democrats and Republicans. It no longer describes what's going on in our society. It's an inadequate metaphor. And it actually, by in, being inadequate, is distracting us from what's really going on. We got globalists and we got nationalists. We got globalists in both parties. They believe in global governance. They believe in one world currency. They believe in a worldwide medical, military, industrial complex. And they do not believe in God. They're Darwinists and they believe in the human intellect. They believe it is their right to control and evolve the human species. That's one group. And then there's the nationalists. They believe in the sovereign country, the United States of America. They believe in the dignity of human beings. They believe in the dignity of work. They believe in borders, and they believe in God. And they're the minority. We are in the tremendous minority, those of us that are nationalists. And that's why we're being branded as terrorists. And we are being branded as terrorists. So as a sidebar, let me say to the people in the movement, when you're screaming and fighting with the power structure, you're playing right into their hands because they're going to get you arrested because you're acting like a terrorist. You're threatening. You're screaming. You're being obstreperous. You're attacking the front of the castle with your swords drawn. That's not going to win. That's going to get you clipped. Instead, withdraw. Stop wasting your energy on these people. They're on the payroll 
simply to take your energy and turn it to mush. Take your energy back in and join Free People of America of getting out into the neighborhoods and organizing the precincts as Dan Schultz has Dan Schultz has recorded on the precincts precinctstrategy.com precinctstrategy.com as we're going to highlight in Free People of America as we highlight here on Free People Radio the importance of creating one American community one American community requires some courage it requires some uncomfortable feelings when we're confronted with ideas that trigger us and make us feel threatened you know i say to that that young man who was very anti-Semitic. Doesn't apply to me. He's really anti-Semitic because of the anti-Jews. He's fighting against the people that don't believe in God. Let's get our dialogue and our description elevated so that we know what really has us pissed off. I said to a a very powerful young uh, black activist here in Minneapolis, we got to get this street protest directed at the people that really are causing the problems, and that's what we're going to get into next. That's what we're going to get into next. But but before we do, let me read one more piece of this Sermon on the Mount. Because the question was raised, what's a Jew? Who is Jesus? Let's understand what he said. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For I tell you truly, until heaven and earth pass away, not a single jot, not a stroke of a pen will disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. That's who Jesus is. He did not come to overturn the Hebrew-Israelite law. He came to fulfill it. That's his words. So before we start hating on the Jewish people, who are the the preservers of the law. Because I don't think any of you got up this morning and put on tefillin and prayed for an hour and prayed three times today and kept all the rules in the old book. They're the ones holding this whole thing together by keeping it alive. So let us not hate the people that are keeping the law, the real true law. Let us realize that maybe they miss something They weren't there. Hey, there was no television 2,000 years ago. If you were 500 miles away, you could have missed the whole story. And people are peeling off every day like Professor Penn and saying, whoa, half the story has never been told. Let me go read this other half. Well, how many of you know one half, but you don't know the Old Testament? Or how many of you know the Old Testament and the New Testament and don't know the natural way? Can't defend yourself. Can't heal yourself. Do you know that Mark and Matthew is a a passion play about how to heal yourself when you're ill? Because lack of faith in God, by definition, is illness. I'm getting in the weeds here. I want you to take your medicine if you're taking medicine. Don't do anything rash. Step by step, work your way down the spoke to the hub. When you get to the hub, you'll know what to do. One step at a time is how I do it. What do I need to do today? I don't project myself in the future. The future takes care of the past. When I look behind me, it's only to learn something to improve. I'm right here in the present. 
That's where the action is. So then, whoever breaks one of these commandments and teaches others to do likewise will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices these laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's what it is to be a Jew, and that's who Jesus was. And I hope that answers the question of those that are holding anti-Semitic beliefs and want to know who Jesus is and who the Jews were. It's all right there. You don't have to take it from me. As I always say, you have to see it for yourself. Do your own research. Go find the Sermon on the Mount and learn about it. I think it's great. Now let's talk a little bit about politics here in Minnesota because it's, it's a perfect segue about activism because what Jesus was was a community organizer. He was the sine qua non community organizer. Look at the world. The whole world is organized around his philosophy and his preaching and teaching. They're working 24 hours a day, seven days a week to undo them. That would be called Antichrist, right? Well, what happened up here in Minnesota was very interesting. Could you please, Tanner, play this Ricky Cop clip for three minutes? Dozens of people came together in North Minneapolis just a few hours ago to honor Ricky Cobb and push for answers in his killing. The state patrol says a trooper shot Cobb during a traffic stop early Monday morning. Four different videos, totaling 12 minutes, give us new insight into what led up to that deadly shooting. The public release of the video came just hours after Cobb's family was able to see it today. We'll hear more from them in a moment, but we begin with Danny Spiewak to walk us through what the video shows us. Danny? Julie, we watched the video today with other members of the media at State Patrol headquarters in St. Paul. It shows four perspectives, three from body camera video and one from a dash cam. Around 2 a.m. Monday, the state patrol says a trooper stopped Ricky Cobb on I-94 for not having taillights. After learning Cobb was wanted in Ramsey County for a felony order of protection violation, three troopers then approached his Ford Fusion together. How you doing, my man? The state patrol says the troopers had a request to do what's known as a pickup and hold on Cobb, but they didn't tell him what it was for. Hold on, is it a warrant? No, it's not a warrant. Less than one minute later, get out of the car now! Although body camera videos didn't clearly capture the sound of gunshots, the dash cam video did. The state patrol says the shots came from the trooper on the passenger side. Meanwhile, the trooper from the driver's side ran back to his squad car. Ah, all three troopers drove after Cobb on the highway. But he was not responsive when they got to the car, and you can see them pull Cobb out of the car and continue CPR. Hey, stay with me, man. Yeah, I know there's a lot of questions. At a news conference Tuesday, the head of state patrol would not say whether he thought the shooting was justified. I haven't visited with the troopers about what they were thinking or why they did what they did, so I can't speak to the, what they were thinking. Like all police shootings in Minnesota, the BCA is investigating the shooting. The BCA and State Patrol fall under the same Department of Public Safety umbrella, but the DPS commissioner 
promised transparency. The Minnesota State Patrol and the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension are separate law enforcement agencies. They act independently. They do independent work. Ultimately, after the investigation, the charging decision will fall on Hennepin County Attorney Mary Moriarty. In a statement this afternoon, Moriarty called this an important decision and said she takes, quote, both police accountability and the integrity of the legal process very seriously. Moriarty says she'll make a decision as soon as possible after the BCA forwards the case or forwards the case to her office. But Julie, we just don't know the timeline for that right now. And also we should point out it is hard to tell what happens in those moments, right? I mm -hmm. mean, they release the video, but it's still hard There's to still tell. There still are a lot of questions about the video and what's in them. All right. Thank you, Danny. Okay, I'm going to dial in and try to give this my best work because this is a very serious topic that is fraught with a lot of uh, strong energy on both sides of the equation. And uh, I'm going to make a little bit of a reveal. Uh, for five years, from 1995 to 2000, I trained with senior a senior member of Minneapolis SWAT three times a week and trained with many police in police, these kind of police tactics and, you know, really hardcore self-defense for law enforcement. And, I, you know, there was a, a structure for that. And um, I spent a lot of time with police, a lot of time. And we did a lot of very serious training. One injury that I got from one of the people that I trained with took 20 years to heal. I almost had to get surgery for it. I'm talking about full goal, hurt each other, the kind of training that you need if you're going to go out on the street and have to arrest people and then get them in cuffs and safely get them to a jail. It takes a lot of training to do that. And I'm going to just share some of my opinions which is, you know, I know is going to piss off some of the uh, people that are my age that are in the Republican Party that follow this. And I'm going to piss you off because you're holding on to something called back the blue. So let me just start to tease into this as someone who spent a lot of time rolling around on the ground with people trying to put handcuffs on me. Ricky Cobb was an American citizen. Now, Ricky Cobb, came into it with a set of expectations and a set of beliefs that predisposed him to getting shot. And as I tell people when we talk about this in my community, I could be shot and killed 15 minutes from now. Highway 94 is right over my shoulder, right outside this building. And if I want to go over there and get pulled over and not listen to the highway patrol, they'll shoot me for sure. And I'm going to tell you why they're shooting me. My compliance is critical to their role. Their job, more than anything else, is not protect and serve. They're there to make sure that citizens comply. Now, we call it complying with rule of law. But is it really complying with rule of law? Or are we just complying with the people that are telling us what to do? Because I'm going to tell you in that moment, when it's you and three cops that are armed, you either comply or not comply. It's not about rule of law. It's about you and three people in uniforms and how you think about those three people and how they think about you. Now, that was on a highway. Yes, a cop got dragged. I looked at the video. I don't 
can't see everything. As I've always said, there's four street corners. So there's different perspectives on this for sure. But from the way I looked at it, there was nobody in front of him. There was nobody he could run over. And if I was training police, I would say, that's an American citizen. Yes, there's a bench warrant for him. Yes, there's this. There's a protection order. Whatever the reason was they were going to drag him out of the car, they didn't have to drag him out. They could have let him run away. He was going to have to go someplace. And when he got there and was not in a car, which can be a deadly, a deadly weapon, they could have knocked on his door and said, you know, Mr. Cop, come out. We're going to arrest you now. Maybe he would have cooled off. Maybe there wouldn't have been time for him to reflect. Maybe the, his minister could have come there. There was many other options other than just forcing his compliance. They forced his compliance. I personally don't agree with that. That's my personal opinion, and I'm entitled to it. Now, I know there's times when police have to defend themselves. And if a, if a policeman has to defend themselves, they have every right to use deadly force. Or they have to defend a civilian from a criminal, and then they have to use deadly force. And I completely agree with that. And they should be highly trained to apply that deadly force whenever it's needed in a split second. And that requires a lot of training. That's not something you get in a weekend. That takes years of training. And as I said, I trained with a very senior member of Minneapolis SWAT for five years, three times a week. That's training. That's training. That's really getting down into the muck and mire. What happens when this happens? What happens when that happens? What happens when the light's out? What happens when you're tired? What happens when you're injured? What happens when there's a gun? you got to train and train and train so that there's muscle memory and everything becomes very natural and automatic. There's no time to think. But when your impulse is, if I'm defied, I'm going to use my physicality to create compliance, that's not respecting that man's citizenship. I could be wrong. Let me say this again. I could be wrong. But I didn't see in that video where there was a need to shoot that man in the back because they shot him in the back as he was driving away. Really? We're shooting people as they run away? Guess what? You're a Minnesota citizen. If you shoot somebody in the back in your house, you're going to jail for murder. You can only use your weapon in Minnesota as a last resort. You can't shoot people if they're walking or running away from you. I guess our police can, or at least we're going to find out what happens here. And I'm going to say again, I am not saying I'm right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm sharing my opinion that I want to live in a society where this polarization between the police and the community is lessened. I want my Republican Party, which is saying back the blue, back the blue, back the blue, which is so uniformly united in condemning Ricky Cobb, would realize that they're condemning him because they're afraid of him, that you're afraid of people that you're fellow American citizens with. You think that there should be a force of people that are on the payroll specifically to suppress the community. Yet these very same people piss and moan about the scribes and the Pharisees of the Republican Party 
that suppress their political impulse. It's the same people. Those three cops that were putting down that Ricky Cobb in that way, and the people in the hierarchy of both political parties are the same. One is the physical police, the other one is the thought police. Now, I'm not saying that the result is the same. Obviously, getting killed is a completely different level. But when you kill a person spiritually, that's a pretty serious deal also. And I'm watching it happen every day. And I'm telling the people of the American Citizens Movement to withdraw from these scribes and these Pharisees and these hypocrites. Don't fight with them. Put your energy into the community. Let's organize and overthrow these people through the constitutional process. And when I say overthrow, I mean elect new people that run the parties. Partes, not a party, because it's a uni party. The corruption and the evil is equally embedded in both parties. It will only because we, the American people, get involved in the political process and restore sacred honor through daily ritual, develop it in ourselves, and then share it like a lamp, a light onto our community, that we're going to get out of this mess. And then, and then, let me just pick on Alpha News. Alpha News. Alpha News, which I've never really picked on before, and I know these people. I've met with them. They're so quick to jump up and start naming names. Because, and I don't name names on this podcast, but maybe I'll bring the man on. An activist who has been involved in the Republican Party got arrested because he was out protesting this shooting, a young black man, a man I know well, a man that I respect for his passion and for his desire to bring about a more righteous American community. He's trying to show us what the heck is going on. And Alpha News published his name, and they said, oh, and he was Royce White's campaign manager to throw a stone at Royce, like Royce was involved in this somehow. You know, you people over at Alpha News, hey, the American Nazi Party is right down the block. I've been very quiet about this, and you all know that I've had my hand in stopping some of this racist activity because I want one American community. Now, I'm going to listen to you the same way I listen to that person in my live chat. We need to self-reflect about how we're going to create one American community where 70% plus of our citizens come together as a new constituency and resonate with a new political message. And if you're not for that, if you're for separating these communities into the back-the-blue people and the runaway-from-cops people, if that's your gig, who's your God? Because I just read, and I'm going to read it again for you because you can go do a little homework on it. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons and daughters of God. So I challenge you, Alpha News, to help me create a 70% constituency here. Let's weave together and bind up the wounds of this community, not by demonizing people, not by the, the chattering of paid political operatives who are irrelevant in the political process that we have going on now. And that's another name I'm not going to use. And you're listening, and you know who you are. You might start by losing some weight. 
work on your own well-being before you start casting stones at people that are risking their lives to shine their light on a problem in our community, which is compliance. Compliance is why that man was killed. Yes, maybe there was an order for protection. Yes, he did not listen to the police. Did he have to be killed for that because he didn't listen? Did he have to die for that? I'm just asking. Now, if, if I get a lot of people that are going to react negatively to me about this, I'm going to stand and take the heat. And I'm not saying I could see all four street corners. I'm not even saying I'm right. Maybe in this case I'm wrong. But I can show you other cases. And, in fact, I'm going to do that on the next podcast where police just shoot people in the back when they're running away. Do we have to shoot people in the back when they're running away? On foot, unarmed? Come on. That's about compliance. And if a society, and you go look up what John Kennedy said, if society must for, force compliance upon its citizen, that government fears its citizens. And why would our government fear us? We're a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. We need to heal this, and we need to start right now. So for all the people that are police that are watching me, I get it. I understand you have a split second to respond. I know it's tough. I've been, I've been there. I know what it's like. You got a split second. The civilians have no idea what kind of pressure you're under. It's a, this is a tough moment. This is a tough, a tough vignette for us to look at as a society. Everyone's right and everybody's wrong. But let's not kill our citizens unless we have to, because it doesn't heal the wounds. I was watching Noval uh, Harari. I played him, uh, Noah Harari. He was talking about the populists get in there and widen out the wounds. Really? Was that cop a populist? No. He was on the payroll of the government. That would be the Democrat government that runs this state. He was a Democrat Party Operative. Now, they say he works for the state of Minnesota, but all three branches of government in Minnesota are run by Democrats. Come on, Democrats. Put some money into training our police so we have more options. We don't have to kill our citizens unless they really are going to kill some. Then you got to kill them. Now, if there's a, I'm going to close with this. If there's a good argument to be made that he was going to run over an officer and that car was a deadly weapon, then he deserved to be shot. And maybe I couldn't see it in my angle, and maybe the police will explain that, and my mind is open to that. I'm not the judge or the jury. And I, at this level, I'm not talking about this specific event. I'm talking about all the video I can run where people, white, black, green, red, and yellow, get shot in the back because they don't comply. And that's just got to stop. I want our policemen to be part of our community. I want us all to be one family. We need to work on this, and we need to seriously think about what are the steps we need to take to get there. In closing, I want to say to my young activist friend, who was so prominently displayed on Alpha News, which was really unnecessary, they're just taking a shot at you and Royce. You know, good, shoot your best shot. It's not going to change the outcome. You're just letting everybody know who you are. 
This anger that's in the street, and I said this to you on the telephone, let's direct it to where it is more effective. The same way the hierarchy of both parties sucks up all the energy of the people so that the community doesn't get organized, <clears throat> let's take all this energy of the street and let's integrate it into an effort to organize the state of Minnesota so that what happens? So that the business model of slavery, drugs, and piracy is overthrown, abolished, and abandoned. And the philosophy that holds one race superior and another inferior becomes simply a paragraph in a historical textbook. Well, guess what? From the local, we go to the global. Tanner, can you play this piece on nuclear missiles on parade? Well, the mood may have been really heavy because of what's happening in Ukraine, but that didn't take away from the splendor of what happened as Russia's military might, very much like our Republic Day, rolled past the Red Square. Images like these played out right outside the Kremlin. Take a look at the defining images from Russia's amazing Victory Day, even as it fights a very damaging war. The big defining image, number one, nuclear missiles and high-tech armaments marched on the streets of Moscow. The thermonuclear RS-24 Yars ballistic missile, which experts believe can carry up to 10 warheads, grabbed center stage as the most visible weapon system at the Victory Day Parade. It's an intercontinental weapon. It weighs 49.6 tons, has a range of 12,000 kilometers, and crews up to speeds of 24,500 kilometers per hour. One of the many weapons that was on display today. Russian President Putin shook hands with spectators before the military parade on Victory Day. This marks the 77th anniversary of Russia's victory over Nazi Germany in World War II. Putin's public appearance came at a time when there have been reports suggesting that he's been undergoing treatment for cancer. A smiling Putin shook hands with many of the dignitaries, mostly military personnel, before playing spectator to the Victory Day parade. And of course, this being the Victory Day Parade, the Russian military might was on in full display. A Russian self-propelled artillery vehicle called the Musta S was seen rolling down the streets of Moscow as well. This has been one of the most eye-catching weapon systems at this year's parade. Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu and Chief of the Russian Land Forces Oleg Salyukov drove Aurus Cabrioles during a military parade. This year's parade aims to justify Russia's war in Ukraine, which has gone on longer and cost much more than Moscow expected. But Russia has not spared the regalia, the ritual and the majesty, really, of the traditional Victory Day parade. It had all the bells and whistles and medals that it usually does.
The airborne part of the military parade at Moscow's Red Square was cancelled today due to what they say was unfavourable weather. It was intended to involve 77 fixed-wing and rotary-wing aircraft to represent the number of years that have passed since the end of the 1941-45 Great Patriotic War against Nazi Germany. These pictures are from the recent dress rehearsal. So those who had come out in Moscow to watch the fly-past had to be disappointed because of bad weather, says the Kremlin. Well, <clears throat> if you don't get out of your car and do what we tell you to do, we'll shoot you. If you don't do what we tell you to do geopolitically, we'll nuke you. We'll nuke you. See those nuclear weapons? That's a symbol that says, hey, United States of America, we don't have to comply with you. We don't have to comply. We have our own means of destruction. This is the world we're living in now. And you say, well, how, you know, they, come on, Professor Penn, you're losing it. You can't solve all these problems. Oh, yes, we can solve them. Yes, we can. We solve them one person at a time. It's based on what ideas are between our ears. We look at our own conduct and we seek to improve it. We devote ourselves to study and prayer. We root out the anti-Semitism and the racism and the homophobia and the xenophobia. That lurks within my own heart. I look at how I interact with other people and I'm always striving to do better. I look at my own shortcuts and things that I do that I just, you know, the great stuff that I think is not a big deal. And it is a big deal. The beginning of the podcast, the code of honor, what we learn is not so much skill, but a code of honor, of sacred honor that our elites have stripped away from us. If we had sacred honor on the street, in our families, between one another as American citizens, between the citizenry and the government, between governments, if we were doing things with honor, sacred honor, we wouldn't need nuclear weapons. We wouldn't need them. We've got them because it's not honorable. Excuse me. See, I'm a little mad. This Alpha News thing pissed me off. I'm going to go back to this for a second. These are the same people that bring you nuclear weapons. This media that highlights the necessity of suppressing the people, that talks about the people's grievances as being illegitimate, that the, their grievances should be subordinated to the rule of law. Hey, if the rule of law was working for them, they wouldn't have grievances. Yes, I'm being quiet so that can sink in. You alpha news watching people. There's good news everywhere, but let's not use news as a weapon against the people. We're truth seeking media. We're truth media. I'm not trying to use the, the search for the truth against anybody. I'm saying to the alpha news people, let's have a debate. Hey, that'd be a good one. You people are smart. I'd learn from you. You're probably going to beat me. You're better at this than I am. Teach me something. Come on and let's talk about it. I want to learn from you. My mind is open. All I want is reconciliation and healing amongst the people. 
That's what I want. That's all I want. I don't even want anybody to win. It's not about winning and losing. It's about telling the truth. Why would a man be so afraid that he can't get out of a car at the request of fellow citizens that are there to protect him? That's why they're there. Why is he the victim of lead poisoning? Why does that have to happen? I'm just asking. And I'm saying it has to happen sometimes. I'm not, you know, out there. I'm very real. Remember, I rolled around on the ground with these cops for five years. Bones were broken regularly. I'm qualified to have an opinion. Again, as I said in the last podcast, I was in the trench. I'm not a commentator. I was a participant. Now, in this drama, this Ukraine drama, why does the Russian Federation need to display nuclear weapons so that we pause in our actions? What, what kind of, what kind of a, a con is this? That we all have to die because of a political disagreement? People can't get in a room and solve their problems? And who was it that wasn't willing to solve the problems? Alpha News? That would be the United States of America. Go run Robert Kennedy Jr.'s interview with Sean Hannity where he lays out the entire case factually and historically. Why don't you run that instead of throwing shade all over Royce White and his political connections in Minneapolis? Do something worthwhile. Do something that's going to contribute to the health and well-being of the American people. Join us in Truth Media. I'll come consult. I'll do it for, with no charge. I'll just come talk to you. Let's get our media together. You know, you are conservative media after all, aren't you? Are you not conservative? Are you not trying to conserve the values and the history of the Judeo-Christian experience and of the United States of America? And if you are, then we have a lot to talk about. we got a lot to build on. We agree about so much. Let's get our message together. You know, I said that seven traditionalists, because I don't want to use, you know, loaded language, resigned off my SD-45 board where I'm an officer. I know they didn't quit to go away. They quit to watch me fail. Hey, I'm not going to fail. I'm going to organize this community, and it's going to change forever in your absence. So goodbye. You have resigned. We're going to organize and we're going to create a community that can talk to each other. We're going to bring in the black community. I have outreach into CD5. I want the black community and the Native American community and every immigrant community, like the Somali community, like the Jewish community, the Catholic community. I want every community to recognize we're one American community. I want the message that 70% of the people can get behind to become the subject of Alpha News. I want to stop dividing the people. So for those of you who think I'm going to divide CD3, nah, go talk to the people that were at our last full committee meeting where I made a proposal that we strive to protect our children. And I demanded 100% ratification of that motion. And it was 
One person, Mrs. We Don't Need to Protect Our Children, voted no. The fourth stooge. Okay, we got people like that. We're not going to get everybody where we need them. I'm not a some kind of Pollyanna-ish dude. No, I'm very realistic. You know, in shooting, if you watch the movie uh, The Patriot, Mel Gibson tells his kids, aim small, miss small. Okay, I'm doing the opposite side. It's the same but a little different. I'm aiming big because I don't want to miss. I'm aiming for complete reconciliation of the American community. I'm aiming for an overthrow of the business model of slavery, drugs, and piracy. Hey, I'm asking for a lot. Please join me. Please join me. Send out the content. Get involved in your party. If we don't do this right now, the digital prison door will be swinging shut on the American people. We're going to lose our freedom. We're going to lose our families, and we're going to lose our faith. And I am working at great personal risk to maintain the opportunity to have faith in God and have a country. I mean, really, that's not too much to ask for, in my opinion. I'm asking for the preservation of the United States of America. I'm a nationalist. The globalists want our country extinguished. They want one global governance and one world currency. And let me tell you how they're doing it. Tanner, can you play this piece from uh, Jamie Dimon, president of the biggest bank in the world? It doesn't really matter that much. Uh, you know, the markets decide. It's not the rain agencies make these big decisions. Number two, they point out some issues which we all knew about, about our debt ceiling crisis and things like that. But uh, number three, most important, the American public, this is the most prosperous nation on the planet. It's still the most prosperous nation on the planet. It's the most secure nation on the planet. And I would point out to the rating agencies, I could, that there are a bunch of countries rated higher than us, like AAA, but they live under the American uh, enterprise military system. For, to have them be AAA and not America is kind of ridiculous. Thank you. Thank you, Tanner. There's a bunch of companies that have a better rating than the United States of America, and they live on the American, the American enterprise military system. That's one of our great leaders, Jamie Dimon. They don't come richer. They don't come more powerful. Well, they do come richer. He's still working for people. But, I mean, he's a high-paid, a high-paid functionary, a high-paid technocrat. I want to say this again. He was highlighting the American enterprise military system. The truth came out of his mouth. I'm sure he'd like to get that retracted. He's saying there's a bunch of countries that have better credit ratings than we do. We're the police. We're the ones that police the... We police the, the globe. I was going to swear. I stopped myself, Tanner. Saved you a bleep. We're policing the world with an American enterprise military system. I want to completely overthrow that. I don't want to police the world with a military system. There's nothing righteous about that. There's no sacred honor in that. There's no self-governance in that. What was he talking about? The rating agency Fitch downgraded the United States long-term rating to AA plus from AAA. In other words, the sovereign debt, the bonds that our country is continuously selling to raise money to finance the gap between our expenditures and our income. 
It's about $2 trillion this year. $2 trillion. They actually downgraded the quality of that paper. In other words, they're saying, hey, if you're lending money to the United States of America, and pay attention, you might not get paid back. Well, of course. They have no intention of paying it back, is my opinion. I don't think our government and our elites have any intention of paying back the money that's been borrowed through productivity and the payment of tax. I think they're going to take all my money away overnight because of a crisis and the fiat, what they call fiat currency, and replace it with a digital currency. And for every $100 that they take from me, they'll give me back 5 or 10 bucks. It's called the Great Reset. Have you heard of that, the Great Reset? You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Tanner will own nothing and he'll be happy. His daughter will be poor. She'll own nothing and be happy. Her daughter, his grandson, 50 years from now, she'll be poor and have nothing. and be. No, they're not going to be happy. They're going to be miserable. Miserable. They're selling us a lie. And Fitch is just blowing the whistle because that's their job. Now, what does a rating system do? As Jamie Dimon said, hey, it's the markets that decide. That rating is just a piece of paper that some loan approver sticks in his desk drawer so he doesn't lose his job if things go south. It's just a rating. But these rating agencies are important. I'm going to try to read a little bit of this to you. Uh, Erosion of government. In Fitch's view, there has been a steady deterioration in standards of governance over the last 20 years. That would be since 2000 and Bush, including on fiscal and debt matters, notwithstanding the June bipartisan agreement to suspend the debt limit until January 2025. In other words, Fitch is saying that was a fugazi. The repeated debt limit political standoffs and last-minute resolutions have eroded confidence in fiscal management. In addition, the government lacks a medium-term fiscal framework, unlike most peers, that means other countries. And we also have a very complex budgeting process. These factors, along with several economic shocks, as well as tax cuts and new spending initiatives, have contributed to successive debt increases over the last decade. I mean, they're just saying, we're not governing, we're not in reality, we're just borrowing. We're just borrowing. We're just borrowing. We're borrowing what we can't pay back. And I mean, pay it back in terms of uh, productivity and taxation, pay down the debt. There's nothing going in that direction. And both parties are lying to we the people about it. And all these things are related. Shooting an American citizen because they won't comply. Nuclear weapons on the streets of Moscow. And a debt that can't be repaid. They seem like three disparate events. But they're actually all related. They're all related. You know, in the mafia, they call it burning it for the insurance. When your citizens will not comply, repression is used. When our governors can't, when our governors, our governments can't communicate and can't reach political solutions, weapons are used. 
when our people are so narcissistic that we take more out than we put in, the debt balloons, all of these are symbols of no sacred honor. No sacred honor. What we borrow, we must pay back. The people that protect us must protect all of us. And governments are instituted among men to provide for well-being, not to create the conditions for a nuclear holocaust. We're in cuckoo land. This is completely insane. When the people we pay to protect us protect some and not others. When governments cannot create well-being but instead create the conditions for nuclear annihilation, and when the people take out more than they put in such that there's a debt that can never be repaid, these things are the same thing. It's called being out of your friggin' mind. We're crazy and we walk around as if we're sane. We need sanity. We need sanity and we need it right now. And where do we find it? We find it in the wisdom of the past, which is just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. There are books that we can go read that were written thousands of years ago that we thought were stories about the past. They're actually manuals about how to deal with the present. They're rule books about what we need to do right now to protect ourselves, our children, our parents, our community from evil. The most important thing is for me to be good. When I err, I will admit it. When I err, I will ask for forgiveness. It doesn't mean the people that I've wronged will forgive me. They have every right to say, screw you. You crossed the line. But I'm not, for, I'm not asking them for forgiveness. They're human beings. I'm doing it with my God. Yes, your argument convinced me I was wrong. I apologize. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And I forgive other people. I'm very forgiving. People around me, run off the rails all the time. I have a lot of people I'm involved with, a lot of people, both in business and in politics and in my personal life. I got five kids after all. My life is filled with people that are doing the strangest things all the time. I want every one of them to get on that wheel and start working down that spoke to the hub so that they find a closer approximation of their own truth so that they develop their own artistry, so they develop their own self-discipline, their own well-being, their own self-governance. And I believe it with every single person I meet, even if they roll on me as anti-Semites. Hey, I got a lot of flat spots myself. I'm sure I come across wrong with people all the time. I'm sorry, I'm trying to get better. Don't hate me, talk to me. Alpha News, quit your hating and start participating. Okay, let's get into a dialogue and let's make Minnesota a place for all of the American citizens, not just the wealthy donors that run the deal, but for those people that live on a plantation in downtown Minneapolis that are enslaved in a system of slavery, drugs, and piracy that we need to go minister to, that we need to go spend our time with, not the virtue signal, but because we want to break the yoke of the slavery that they find themselves in because we participate in it. We, the American people, have set up these conditions. Well, we need to change these conditions. We need to practice it every day 
So I'm going to go out with a very long, beautiful 40 minutes. If you don't stay for 40 minutes, that's fine. But you want to watch what happens when people practice and give over to altruism and develop high skill so that they can uplift other people with what they do. I'm going to play you a violin concerto written by a German composer, Johannes Brahms. It's the it's the Brahms Violin Concerto played by a Russian communist violinist named Oistrakh, who was very famous and had international appeal because of his artistry. This is the Concerto in D, Opus 77. The orchestra is the Moscow Philharmonic Orchestra, conducted by Kirill Kondrashin in 1963 at the height of the Cold War during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Look at the art and the beauty, and let us use this art and beauty as a guidestone to heal our communities. Thank you very much for joining. I look forward to seeing you soon again. Be well. This is the Professor Penn Podcast. Please send it out. Please help me build the subscriber base because we're a movement. Go, get, go to the website. Go to YouTube. Click, click subscribe. Join us. And please enjoy the Brahms Violin Concerto played by David Oistrakh. Tanner, can you take us out, please? Thank you.